At Freedom HealthWorks, we're focused on putting medical professionals back in control of their practices. Utilizing a structured, tailored approach to business, startup, and operations, it could make sense for you to work with our professional team to avoid expensive pitfalls and, more importantly, expedite your journey to success. As we all know, time is money. If you're involved in the practice of medicine and desire to practice free of headaches and constraints, reach out for a no-obligation consultative conversation. Call us today at 317-804-1203 or visit freedomhealthworks.com. Everybody, welcome to Healthcare Americana. I am your host, Christopher Havig, CEO, co-founder of Freedom HealthWorks. Healthcare Americana is a podcast for the 99% of people who get healthcare in America. We're not clinicians or policymakers. We're patients and caregivers, executives and advocates. We're fed up with the status quo and have a desire to change it. This podcast brings listeners backstage at innovative organizations across America that are putting patients first by delivering exceptional care to everyone and anyone. Part of that everyone and anyone is the people that have trouble getting to doctor's offices in the first place. How do these people, some of the most vulnerable among us, get to their needed physician's offices, hospitals, appointments, imaging, treatments, you name it. It's a problem that has plagued medicine for quite some time. I would say since the advent advent of the automobile, maybe even before that, traveling across country roads, maybe horseback. But how do we get grandma and grandpa or anybody around us, um, you know, who who aren't able to travel very well on their own? How do we get them to those medical appointments? Coming from the direct care world and from the more physician focused, it's a real problem that plagues a lot of physicians that want to care for people. And they just can't do that in that physical sense. So with us today, an innovative company called CareCar. And so what CareCar is doing is providing that last mileage transportation. And with us to explain a little bit more and talk about the innovation that he's bringing to the market, Josh Itano, CEO and co-founder of CareCar. Josh, great to have you on the podcast. Great to meet you. Great to talk to you. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate you having me here. So CareCar, which... I think is about as straightforward of a name as you could possibly get, which I absolutely love. It's not one of those names where you have to like dig deep and be like, okay, what is this, what is this person actually doing professionally here? Tell us a little bit about it. And, and, you know, like I covered in our intro and like we covered kind of offline, this seems to be a problem that is pervasive in healthcare. Uh, it is a problem uh, that is pervasive in healthcare. I mean, it, it's been near and dear and hitting home for me throughout my career in healthcare, even at home. My wife is a physician. She has a patient population that has trouble getting to uh, their critical appointments with her. Um, and she, you know, she does sports and spine. Before that, you know, before starting CareCar, I should say, I was working at another sort of managed care organization. And we were having trouble making sure and ensuring that our patients had the access that they needed to their appointments, to their critical treatments because of a transportation barrier. And solutions do exist out there. They just, I don't think that they were necessarily appropriate, especially to these high-risk populations that you talked about, seniors or anybody who has a physical limitation, a socioeconomic limitation, psychosocial limitation, right, to, you know, other modes or other ways of working. And so I wanted to create a better way, essentially. Because existing options right now, I mean, you have an ambulance. I think everybody's pretty familiar with what happens yeah. when you end up Nobody in wants to an take ambulance. Those. <laughs> Nobody wants to do that, but it, it just, it doesn't fit, right? Because one, they're expensive. People, are, I think, get shocked uh, by how expensive ambulance rides actually are. And if you're bleeding out your eyeballs and you're, you're missing an arm, you're probably going to be better off trying to drive it yourself to the emergency room. 
I'm not saying do that, but it happens a lot. But you hear kind of horror stories of ambulances going to different hospitals or hospital. You know, there's a lot of weird stuff going on there that is not very transparent. Yeah, so ambulances probably don't fit uh, within typical <laughs> medical care, right? Emergence. <laughs> tiny little sliver uh, of what we actually need. So yeah. what were some of the other options that you realized, hey, there's an opportunity here? There's yeah. Different- I mean, of course, there are public options, right, for anything. Um, it's just that those typically don't really solve the needs for the patient populations that we're talking about. At CareCar, we, mo- we work mostly with Medicare or duals populations, Medicare and Medicaid populations. And, you know, public transit obviously isn't the great place. Obviously, there's just traditional systems like taxis, even Uber and Lyft. Uh, and then there's local providers. You know, you could think of like um, something like an ambulance, but not really like just, we call this non-emergent medical uh, medical transportation, right? So there are options for that as well. Those tend to be cost prohibitive, right? Just like an ambulance is, those are, those are all out of pocket. Usually if you're trying to do that yourself, if you're trying to do public, again, it's like not around, doesn't fit you logistically. Um, and then you just got to think about, again, what is my patient, what is my experience as a patient or as a human when I have some of these limitations, right? Like those solutions also aren't appropriate to me in context of where I am um, with my potential physical limitations or, and, or other things, right? So we wanted to solve all of those sort of issues all at once. And it does get tricky, right? When we're dealing with, I think now in America, over there's like 5 million missed appointments because of transportation issues. Hmm. Um, so that's a lot of, so that's, you know, that's problem and volume which creates, we kind of talked about the appropriateness, how we approach this from a care patient experience, but there's also logistical issues there. Um, So like we've tried to solve those obviously with technology. Um, You know, I wouldn't say we're a technology first company, but we are certainly a technology second company. We're definitely patient first, but we wanted to figure out how can we solve this accommodating for all these different kinds of issues. And what we came was a sort of Uber-like, care.com, join honor, you know, honor.com kind of a solution where it's sort of like a managed marketplace. And on the supply side for us, we actually try and recruit caregivers. So these are certified nursing assistants, folks in nursing school, people who care and have that experience to actually treat the patient well. And then we have the underlying technology to support them so that they can go do their work, support all these requests that comes from patients to transport them to whatever appointment they need to go to, or if they get discharged from a hospital, people are wheelchair bound, we solve it all. And we actually partner with insurance companies to do it. So all of our clients are managed care, you know, or Medicare Advantage health plans who create these benefits that we manage as well so that these patients have access so that they don't have that cost barrier as well, right? Mm -hmm. Because costs, you know, again, for this patient population is just something that they can't handle, you know? Sure. A lot of fixed income individuals. So what is it specifically? And you mentioned that you work with a lot of the Medicare Advantage providers there. What is it that gives you your differentiating factor versus other locals? You mentioned other ride shares, other kind of specialty services. We sort of take a very strong, like robust network approach. So kind of taking a few steps back, again, working at a managed care organization, Medicare Advantage Health Plan in the past, we've created these benefits. We've worked with those other existing entities that I've talked about. There's even brokers that work with, you know, that you can work with a broker and then they, you know, fax information to a taxi company or to one of those local non-emergent medical transportation companies. But that just creates all these kinds of oversight, experience, logistical issues that create, again, an additional barrier for the patient. And so by us sort of creating a really robust network that is tech-enabled, we can fulfill requests appropriately faster than anybody else. Let me just kind of walk it through. A few years ago, 
a patient would call in and say, hey, I have an appointment, chemo tomorrow. Can you help me? They would say, no, you got to schedule three days in advance because we got to go through this huge process of figuring that out. <laughs> that doesn't happen anymore, right, with CareCar. The request comes into our system. We have this big pool network of service providers, of care partners, as we call them. And it gets routed to the appropriate one and they deliver them, right, to where they need to go. Again, knowing how to do therapeutic communication, patient transfers, patient handling, all of that, so that the patient feels safe and they know that this person actually can take care of me in this context. Yeah, it's super admirable. And and I'm kind of sitting here saying like, okay, this is this is basically just-in-time healthcare transportation. A lot of the timing issues that you talked about, the plague, I guess the traditional industry that you're going up against, we see it all the time, right? It's, it's like, no, we want to be able to provide just-in-time healthcare. When a person is sick, they need to reach out and get an answer from their doctor now not wait three weeks or not wait four hours in the waiting room uh, yeah. to be a doctor or get an appointment. So I think that message resonates very, very well in a lot of the shared innovation and a lot of shared motivation, I would say, of innovators in healthcare. They're like, man, we've been doing it. I'm not going to say the wrong way because there's a lot of people making a lot of money out there. But <laughs> there's also a lot of patients not getting you know the care they need uh, out yeah. there too. So you know, we've been doing it in a way that's just not conducive to actually healing people. And I think yeah. that that's a problem that, that you're addressing for sure. Absolutely. And you bring up a lot of great points. You know, I've sort of been raised in the value-based care world, right? In my healthcare career, I care a lot about population health. When we thought about this and creating this, like our focus wasn't fixed transportation. Our focus was improved health outcomes. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do this through the context and the lens of transportation because we see that this is an issue. Uh, and the way that we solved it, like creating the marketplace, managed marketplace platform, creating this really robust network of care partners. That was all sort of well-ingrained. Like we create this great patient experience, no time barriers, no appropriate care barriers. But also in addition to that, because we have this sort of tech-enabled network of caregivers, we're actually able to draw insights as well that help our clients who are, again, managed care organizations. And we're aligned there, which is nice. We both care about the patient's health outcomes, right? Both for financial reasons and because we, you know, we give a shit. We have a crap, excuse me. (laughs) But I'm bringing this up is because we're constantly looking for insights that will help our partners uh, and that patient reach that better health outcome. So if one of our care partners notices that someone has moved from, you know, an apartment complex to a trailer park and they're wheelchair bound and they don't have any sort of home modifications in that, in that trailer home, they're isolated. We're like, Hey, this person is stuck here. They can't, they quite literally can't get in and out. We've transferred them to their primary care appointment, and this is the only time they've been outside in a month. And that's like all been drawn just from that interaction, these natural interactions that happen. And we deliver that to a case manager like, hey, we got to do something here. This person is going to end up in the hospital in a month or two or a few weeks even. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a sad reality for a lot of people out there that are bound by those restrictions. You know, you mentioned, you got, you got me thinking here because you mentioned, I think, 5 million missed appointments or deferred appointments, you know, happened last year in the United States. To me, I look at that and say, again, drawing parallels to my world and where we are with Freedom HealthWorks, that has significant impact on escalating costs and worsening diseases later on. Are you guys doing anything around that showing that like, look, if if you miss that one chemotherapy session, here's the impact that has on real human lives. Yeah. I mean, so it's often, right? And you, and you know, you said you talked about this when we were chatting before we started here that you talked about insurance, you know, ICD-10 codes, how claims works, you know, how information flows. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that information gets delayed because of that, 
right? Or sometimes it doesn't show up at all. Even though we have a good doc, we, we do have good documentation processes, even though it's kind of burdensome for some folks, right? But it's there. But sometimes it's, you know, sometimes it's not. We have examples of where, you know, a dialysis patient who's going three times a week, gets sick, gets the flu, and just is not feeling well enough to travel. You know, and this is Friday. They got the weekend. Now there's like a, their last appointment was on Wednesday and they have this huge gap now. We know that every missed appointment is a 2% increase in morbidity. Now, if that flu, that feeling, if they're still sick through the week and they decide to miss Monday as well, well, that's like red alerts everywhere, right? And that happens. Um, but because we are the first ones to know, because it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not like, this is at the door, right? We didn't pick anybody we go, up, hey. yeah. Yeah, we go, hey, you guys got to do something to, to intervene here or else this person's definitely ending up in the ER this week. Wow. Yeah, that is like the front edge, kind of the, the, the point of the spear here in, in trying to predict really positive and negative outcomes. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's very specific, right? So like we, you know, you mentioned ambulances before we do stay in our lane, <laughs> you know, like I believe in scopes of practice very much. This is not emergent, but because we manage benefits, because we interact so regularly with patient populations that we manage, they do call us to go to the ER and we have a triage system now for that. You know, we've all heard about frequent flyers because they don't know, they don't understand like the resources that are, are available to them. We've partnered with our organizations to direct them to nursing hotlines or to telehealth. We can't obviously recommend care, but we can definitely say, hey, we're not emergent. If this is emergency, call 911. There's a lot of cases where they go, well, right. it's not emergency. I just need treatment. And we go, well, here are your resources. You know, it doesn't, we actually don't make any money off of that interaction, but that's why our partners pick us because we're constantly trying to, you know, not, it's health outcomes are not just how healthy I am, but it's for the system as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And if somebody is trying to use the ER for, non-emergent care, it's like, please don't. There's a yeah. level of education that has to happen. And and again, if you don't even dive into that, it's like, well, there's a reason why they think ER is the only place they're going to go is because that's where they think they're going to get seen as quickly as possible and they might need this. And it's, yeah, I mean, the favorite conversations we see is with our care coordinators who are, you know, they're overseeing what's going on in, in, the, in the different markets that we're in. And they'll see this request come in. They'll intervene and say, hey, you may think exactly what you just said, Chris, but most ERs are pretty jam-packed, right? <laughs> yeah. You see the billboard just like ER has X amount of minutes or X yeah. amount of hour wait. And, it's like, why is that yeah. even necessary? It's, exactly. It's crazy. And like, we've been finding really interesting models where, because again, like I'm loving what's going on in healthcare. We're trying to create better patient care experiences, more appropriate things at all levels. So like even the idea of urgent care, they're getting more specialized. There's geriatric urgent care centers now, right? That can do a lot of the things that are responded to these patient complaints, Right. So we can direct folks there. We have the whole list of who's in network, which urgent cares do what. We get that from our, our clients, our payers. And we can say, hey, this urgent care down the street from you, you know, short wait, they can see you, they can get you taken care of. Mm -hmm. We want to give as much optionality and access as possible because we know that results in better outcomes. Well, we got to get you working with a lot of direct primary care practices around uh, your areas of operation here. Get those people seen right away, right? No waits, yeah. no, uh, yeah. no BS, no red tape. That'd be a, a lot easier win-win for everybody coming out of this. Absolutely. Um, I wanted to touch upon your, I guess, probably not labor force is probably not the right word. I, you use mostly contractors? Yeah, we consider them partners, right? So yeah, yeah we look for folks that, uh, that care, right? That's sort of our number one value. It's like care about what you do and who you do it for. And often these are, these are existing home health days. Yeah. Uh, they're partners. Uh, the question always comes up, you know, we're, you know, we're a venture back company. We talk about this a lot, labor forces and modern ways of working, you know, uh, the future of work, gig economies. And we're certainly in that conversation. 
one of my mentors, and I'll give a shout out here, is Chris Wing. He's the old CEO of Scan Health Plan in California. I told him about this idea before we had launched, and he goes, you know, I love it, um, but you got to do right by the people actually serving patients. And I go, I couldn't agree more. Like, we want to operate this model because it affords some cost efficiencies and some logistical efficiencies, but we don't want to marginalize people. And so we're, we treat our caregivers, our care partners, almost like a customer as well. You know, we've come out of the gate saying living wage is the absolute minimum that we're going to figure out how to make sure that they make. Not minimum wage, living wage. We use MIT's living wage standards to help set our prices so that we can pay that out. We're constantly trying to figure out how we can make, help them earn more, you know, do well by doing good, kind of a, a motto. But we're also trying to figure out like how we can help them figure out some upward mobility or, or career upward mobility. And, you know, we're not quite there yet, but we've got a lot of interesting things in the pipeline for that. So this would be connecting them with different trade schools or, you know, healthcare specific kinds of skills, right, to get, get that kind of um, certification. My sort of hope and dream for our care partner network is that folks come in, they feel a purpose, they earn some good money. They can stay doing that for a while, but it'd be great if they did that, got connected, really fell in love with healthcare, and then decided to do something different in healthcare. Maybe it's a radiology technician, maybe it's a nurse, maybe it's, you know, whatever it is, that would be my hope. It's like two years with us and then go on and do better, bigger and better things. Yeah, kind of springboard into it. And, and the reason why I bring that up, you know, where we are right now in the United States, labor shortages, we're seeing all kinds of hospitals for, you know, different kinds of reasons, and I don't want to dive into the politics of it. But they're laying off or letting people go, very well-trained people. And so I'm looking at you saying, you know, is that your ideal partner who's able to have a myriad amount of skills in that caregiving? Because based on what our conversation has been, it seems like you need a very diverse set of skills from people dealing with, you know, the elderly populations versus, you know, perhaps people with limited mobility and all through that spectrum. And I'm like, okay, that's not just an RN who's able to handle all these different things. That's not just yeah. one minivan, you know, that can do this. The number of vehicles have to be, you know, diverse. Uh, the types of vehicles have to be diverse. The skill sets of people, the, the timing. I mean, it seems like a lot that you guys have been able to put together. It's certainly a lot. You said diversity of skills. Now I'm thinking of like Liam Neeson and Scrubs. <laughs> A set of skills that make people like me very, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, advantageous, I guess, for your for your client base. Yeah, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna promote that now on the website. <laughs> I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, we have amazing care partners. We have absolutely amazing care partners. You know, we have folks that you know were sort of at this near the, I don't, you know, I don't want to call it the sunset, but near, you know, kind of near the end of their career, but still wanted to work. Right? These are certified nursing assistants or home health aides. Maybe they worked in, you know, skilled nursing or assisted living communities. And they're like, I still want to do something. So they, they come join us and they end up liking it, right? It's still interaction. It's still positive for them. Um, and then we have the folks that you're talking about, like mid-career, right? Um, or something happened. There was some kind of like event. You know, we, we hope to provide reliable and consistent work opportunities for our care partners. It's up to them, you know, how much or how little they work. But the point is, when they want to, it should be available to them and they should have consistent wages there. <laughs> I'm just thinking about like uh, the diversity of skills, like, and, and, you know, how we draw from all these different communities to, to fulfill those needs. You, you mentioned vehicles, right? So we get a lot of folks that are partnered with the VA or have like a family member that maybe lost a limb and then they got their own wheelchair accessible vehicle. And then that's now they have it. And then they end up working for us 
or with us rather. Um, utilizing assets they're kind of sitting yeah, in they ways already. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's neat. It's like an elevated, um, I, I usually don't like it when people compare companies to other companies out there, but it's like an elevated ride share with specific skills. Right. And, and like you said, it just through our conversation, you know, Josh, I, I keep going back to that. Like, it's not just one nurse that can take care of a lot of people. It's, it's a diverse set of people that are able to do this with different education, different knowledge, different experiences, and uh, bringing them together on one platform that's readily available, delivering medical care on time, super admirable. Where are you guys right now geographically? Because I, I think your phones might be ringing off the hook saying, you need to be in our city. We need, we need this now. <laughs> yeah, well... We partner with insurance companies. <laughs> um, you know, we work in California mostly right now. We have business in North Carolina as well. We've got some operations, small operations in Arizona and uh, Texas. We thought about a direct-to-consumer play because we know how much of a need this is for so many people. But that cost barrier is very high. I mean, we still we're still very competitive when it comes to what we do. But even if you were to like, I mean, even an Uber, right? Like our patient population couldn't afford that on a regular basis, to be frank, right? So in order for us to grow and go to the places that we need to go to support, you know, the whole country, we need more insurance partners to be sort of proactive and innovative about this and, and, and care about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, most of them do, right? It's just taking the time to bring us there. Well, I think you've proven the business case that, hey, Mr. Insurance Company, uh, Mr. Medicare plan, whatever it is, if this person starts skipping their appointments because they can't get there, it's going to cost you big time. And then guess what? You're going to have to go to your people and upset them even more when you raise their rates next year across the board. But <laughs> yes, yeah. no, it, and, it seems like a good and, business again, case. We are, yeah, we are completely aligned with our insurance partners. They know that information. They yeah. know that information. It's just how they want to approach solving it, right? I think, of course, that we are the best solution for it because we actually treat their patients well, because we're trying to gather insights, because we can gather insights that help them manage risk. And honestly, that care partner network is doing a lot for their patients that they don't realize and sometimes that we don't even realize. We have so many stories of, of encounters where because they're in the same market and because they have regular appointments, it's like, you know, I'm going to make up names here for the sake of, you know, patient protection and our care partners protection, but it's like, Mary just got discharged from the hospital and Joan is met with her regularly. Mary is isolated, just got discharged, needs some help at home, knows that Joan is a caregiver and says, hey, can you just help me outside the house before you go to your, you know, do your next trip or, or next encounter? And Joan, of course, being the caregiver that she is, says, absolutely. Get a little bit of home personal care and then goes on. That little interaction is invaluable to everybody. How has the impact and the growth of virtual care impacted your company? I see it as a positive thing. You know, my focus isn't on driving transactions up. My focus and our focus is on health outcomes. If virtual care is the most appropriate thing for this patient, I will help drive that patient towards that kind of encounter, Mm -hmm. right? But there are still millions of reasons why you need to go see a physician. Mm-hmm. Procedures are obviously the number one, right? <laughs> we, can, yeah. we haven't figured that part out yet. Nope. Once we figure out the uh, virtual care procedures, then I'll be uh, in trouble. <laughs> um, but even physical exams, right? They're still necessary. Like doing HRAs are important to everybody, right? Uh, in person. So, you know, as a CEO of my company, right? Thinking about our bottom line, I'm not worried about virtual care. I love it. I want to direct as many people there. And I want our partners to know that as well. Like, hey, we're not in it to just waste. We're in it to drive outcomes. 
Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people will agree with you, and I personally agree with you that there's never going to be, unless we're in the Star Trek where we can, you know, get get laser beamed or something from something off the wall, and it you know okay. heals everything. It's like, and most doctors will say, no, I I need to have a physical touch because there's just nothing. There's just things you miss from a screen, right? It gets us a long yeah. way. And sure, I can check out someone's tonsils to see if they have strep throat, but you know, is this mole going to be malignant or not? That's going to be something that we need to come see in for amongst a myriad number of things. So I think it's like nice little balance, but I always like to get you know your opinion on that because there's a lot of people out there that just want to do virtual practices only and say, hey, this is the way of the future. The in-person medicine is done and it's a relic of the past. And I just, I just never have seen it that way. And yeah. so you being on the front line, the tip of the spear from a transportation standpoint, I figured, man, you might have your uh, thumb on the pulse of that. Yeah. I mean, you can imagine, I mean, we're, like you said, podcast for patients, right? We're both patients. We've been patients. Sometimes I love virtual care. Sometimes I'm like, this is not, this is not helping me right now. <laughs> like I'm actually trying to come in and get some blood work or I'm trying to get this done, <laughs> but it's good to have that first interaction or, or have that kind of conversation, but you know, a time and a place for everything. Sure, sure. So where do you guys go from here? Um, you know, are, are you talking autonomous vehicles? What flying, flying uh, <laughs> medical cabs? Uh. <laughs> I mean, we believe that the patients that we focus on need the right touch. So even if we did have autonomous vehicles, it would be purely for logistics purposes to improve efficiencies there. We'll be working on the sort of like when someone needs a hand kind of a thing, an actual trained hand. Where we go from here, obviously, you know, does have a lot to be, you know, you mentioned autonomous. We actually do care a lot about electrifying our fleet. Um, that's one of our initiatives. We're trying to figure out how we can partner with organizations to do that because, you know, we don't want to be a contributor if we don't have to be. That's sort of like an elephant in the room always. <laughs> but also, you know, I mentioned, you know, the interactions that uh, our care partners have with patients and end up doing both personal and home care. We believe that that is also a necessary thing for the patient populations that we deal with to have access to that kind of service and care as well. There was a study done a few years ago by Commonwealth that essentially said folks with physical limitations who don't have access to personal care services at home cost Medicare four to five times more. It's pretty significant, right? This is help around the house, could be incontinence, could be bathing, could be self-care, all those things, right? Grocery shopping, meal prep. And those kinds of services can be expensive, but we have a network that does that sometimes in their other job. And we want to bring those benefits to more and more people who have those kinds of limitations so that they can, again, have better health outcomes and don't cost us, Medicare, our insurance partners, four or five times more. That's that's what we're focused on next is expanding the scope of services that are accessed through our platform because we have the network that can do it. And then again, just always looking for data insights that will be helpful. Mm-hmm. It seems like you're helping the people that uh, depend on you and the people that work with you. And uh, hats off to you, Josh. It, it, it seems it seems like you guys are rocking and rolling here. And uh, how many cities are you in right now? Too many. I don't know. I can't. Too many count cities. cities. Yeah. Too many cities. Uh, more on the horizon. Yeah. Too many cities to count. That's why I talk about states. <laughs> well, how many states uh, are you in there? I, yeah, I yeah. North Carolina six. and California primarily. Some small operations and pilots going on in, in Arizona and Texas. There we go. There we go. Josh, I appreciate your time here. It's been fascinating to uh, to talk to you. Wish you guys all the best. Once again, that's Josh Itano, CEO, co-founder of CareCar. Josh, wish you uh, the best of luck. And, and like I said, get get involved with some uh, drug primary care practices around you. It, uh, it might open up some possibilities of reestablishing, you know, respecting patients' time in that healthcare on demand. Thanks for having me. Will do. I'm sure other people now have heard that on my team. They're like, yeah, we're going to go do that. <laughs> Make this happen. 
That's why I'm Thanks here. Again, you know, man. just plant the seed, let it grow. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Once again, Josh Itano, CEO, co-founder of Caracar. I'm your host, Christopher Habig. This is Healthcare Americana. Thanks for listening. Check out healthcareamericana.com to hear all our episodes, visit the shop, and learn more about the podcast. Healthcare Americana is produced by Taylor Scott and iPodcast Pro and managed by Melissa Turpin. Whether you're a patient, employer, or physician, the Free Market Medical Association can facilitate and assist you in your free market healthcare journey. The foundation of our association is built upon three pillars, price, value, and equality, with complete transparency in everything we do. Our goal is simple, match willing buyers with willing sellers of valuable healthcare services. Join us and help accelerate the growth of the free market healthcare revolution. For more information on the Free Market Medical Association, visit fmma.org. Hi again, everyone. This is Chris. At Healthcare Americana, we're always on the lookout for great stories to tell in the healthcare industry. And we'd like to hear yours. Check out healthcareamericana.com and send us your ideas for episodes or if you'd like to be a guest. Thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoy it.